All American Gunslingers presents Ubaldi Reports. Hey, everybody. This is John with Ubaldi Reports. We're back again on Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time talking about issues impacting America. And with again, as always, I'm with my crew. We're all veterans talking about issues that are impacting America. And this week is no different than any other week. We're going to ducktail off what we spoke about last week, which was the um, Israel versus Hamas. But this time it's... Um, Biden's foreign policy as it relates to what's going on in the Middle East. And remember, President Biden was supposed to be this foreign policy expert because he spent 36 years as a senator, another eight years as vice president. And when he was a senator, either chaired or was the ranking member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And look where we're at right now. We're in the premises of three major wars, one in a proxy war with Russia and Ukraine, Another one potentially with China over Taiwan. And now the news is filled with um, a regional war breaking out in the Middle East. We'll have to see where it goes. But there's a lot of issues that are impacting this country. And it could go either way. And Winston Churchill once said, when war starts, if you don't get a handle on it, it'll get away from you. And all you end up doing is reacting to events instead of being proactive. So... We'll have to see. But in the meantime, I've got Joe, Ray, and Cody with me to discuss some of these key issues. So, Joe, I mean, what, what you've been following this for about a week and a half, two, same of you guys. What I kind of been following it for all the wrong reasons. Like, I'm looking at it longing, longingly, <laughs> like, I wish I was there. Be, because, But all they, they brought another carrier group into the med. And, which is two. Yeah, which... I understand is probably it's not necessarily to back up Israel or even to intimidate Palestine, but it's kind of letting the other countries around know, Correct. hey, step off kind of. Yeah, kind of because situation. right now you've got Hamas is in the Gaza Strip. You got Israel and the other terror group is Hezbollah in Lebanon. So we got two carrier battle groups, which is the Gerald, Arf, the Gerald Ford. And then you also have the... Um, the Dwight Eisenhower, and then there's also a, a, a Marine Expeditionary Unit with about 2,000 Marines coming up into that area to give the president options in case we have to do anything. So have we seen anything, um, any progress on Israel's side or even Pal- or even uh, Hamas's side on which way this direction is going? And where's, where's the USAID? coming in well for right, right now. now where we're at right now is israel is bombing all all um all over the middle east and we're not excuse me all over gaza and we had that bombing at the hospital which was blamed on israel but we're, but then when evidence came out it was an inadvertent rocket came in coming in from um islamic jihad and then you have um, Israel's bombing into northern Lebanon because Hezbollah is also launching into um, northern Israel as well. So we'll have to see how this plays out. So we made a little bit mention of it yesterday or last week, but this week, you know, you kind of wanted to go into Hamas, but let's kind of keep it light and, you know, a little bit short so we're not, you know, boring the people here. No, I mean, Hamas came out of. The in, um, the intifadas, which was a it's it's Arabic for shaking off. This was um, against Israel's occupation of Gaza and in the West Bank. So uh, Hamas came out of that. It's an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a very fundamental aspect of Islam. 
So that places it up to date. Now, Hamas took over the West Bank in 2005, 2006 in an election because the people of Gaza didn't like the corrupt Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority is the offshoot of the the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. So they were forced out, and now they govern the, um, the West Bank, but they're not very popular there. Many Palestinians think Mohammed Abbas, which leads the Palestinian Authority, is too uh, cozy with Israel. He, he, um, he works with Israel and the United States too much. So mm-hmm. that's where we're at right now. So why is the... Um why the conflict? Like, I mean, Hamas thought this would be a great time to kind of intervene. Well, why? there's a, there's that's the speculation. There's speculation that Israel, Hamas gets most, almost all of its funding from Iran. Iran funds all the terror groups like the Islamic Jihad, Hamas, and Hezbollah. So there's there's some people say there's no direct evidence, but we do have evidence that um, Hamas is being funded by Iran. Now, the speculation is they wanted to end, or at least Iran did, wanted to end the Abraham's Accord, which got the um, the Arab Gulf states, Saudi Arabia, and others in an agreement with Israel to go to, to be a bulwark against Iran. So this way, all that has been ups, um, upended because of this Hamas going into Israel and killing 1,300 people. So where's Biden? Where's Biden mishandling this um, this event? I mean, you were men- mentioning earlier how, you know, with all his experience, he is the most proficient uh, in foreign policy. This is like the foreign policy administration. They should be like toppling regimes with as much foreign policy as going on right now, but they're not. So where is the misstep in the Biden administration on causing? Uh, them not doing so well. Well, the, the key thing is, it goes back to what Sun Tzu said, how to fight without actually fighting. President Biden came into office to do what President Barack Obama did, was to restart the Iran nuclear deal, which was passed, which is the Joint, um, joint Comprehensive Plan of Action that passed in 2000, or at least Obama signed in 2015. Now, that wasn't a treaty because it never passed the Senate to get confirmation. So they passed it, and that lifted some of the sanctions, gave Iran, and they got $500 million and more, allowed Iran to sell oil on the open market. When Trump came in, one of the first, within the first six months, he got rid of the Iran nuclear deal, put crippling sanctions on Iran, but also by doing that, it curbed the money going to Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah. They were actually financially broke. So when Biden came in, he did two things. He, he gave Iran the ability to sell um, oil on the open market. When he came into office, they were selling about 440, 400, a little over 400,000 barrels of oil a day. Now they're up to six six million, and most of that oil is going to China. So you made something mention of something earlier that kind of caught my attention is that China is getting a majority of their the oil, oil from Iran. From Iran. So if like America kind of stepped up and kind of maybe blocked some of the things that was going with Iran, what would that do to like what would that do to China? But also, what would that well, could, could that help us? Well, it would help us in one respect because China is now supporting Hamas in Iran. If we curtailed their oil, they would not have. They would have to make decisions of what they do or what they won't do. Because they don't have the military capabilities to do what we can do in the Middle East. 
and that would curtail Iran's ability to influence events to these proxy forces. And the other thing they did, Iran, because we have bases throughout the Middle East, in Iraq, Syria, and other places, <laughs> and we also see that Iran attacked American installations like 80 times, but the America, America only responded four times. So it just showed weakness. And I was on a radio program today, and I said, but nobody fears the United States. Now, the radio host kept mentioning well, we got two carrier battle groups. We can do this, this, and that. But the thing is, nobody fears the United States, and no one definitely fears Joe Biden because of what he's done in the past. And then the last part is, look how he treated Saudi Arabia. Now, I got it what Saudi Arabia did with Khashoggi, the um, journalist who was killed and butchered in Turkey. But when he said, I, gotta make, I wanna make them a pariah nation, but then when gas prices went up to the stratosphere, he was begging Saudi Arabia to pump more oil. Go ahead, Ray. All right, so Glenn said the Iran deal was working. Trump's reversal allowed Iran to restart their nuclear program. I would disagree with that. Only thing that the Iran deal was not working, it um, would... I'm not sure what he's referring to. The reason I said it wasn't working because the Iran deal only focused on one aspect. It didn't the, the ballistic missile t um, development by Iran, which delivers the nuclear weapon, wasn't part of the Iran deal. And then Iran was allowed to c conduct mischief throughout the Middle East. So I would disagree with the um, with Glenn to say it was working. It was not working. I mean, this only. The Iran nuclear deal only pushed off Iran within 15 years. It would have been it would have been expired. Is that, is that Sean Connelly? So I mean, these are the things that people need to realize. Iran funnels funds all the mischief and all the terror groups throughout the Middle East region. So I, I would disagree with Glenn. Well, I mean, assessment. I want to kind of call uh, Sean on uh, on our live to the carpet of like, okay, what information is John saying? And want you uh, maybe be specific about what uh, misinformation he is. Uh, well, he said I was doing giving mi complete yeah, misinformation. Said, all nonsense, complete misinformation. Well, I would again. I, mean <laughs> I would I would reiterate what Joe said. Tell me where all this misinformation is coming from. Because I no, can, he wants to maybe he needs to be specific and tell yeah, exactly him, say what you're saying is misinformation. Because the information I get, you can go to the Center for Strategic International Studies, you can go to the Council on Foreign Relations, hmm. you can go to a lot of these defense industry experts. You can get ask Seth Jones. You can ask he works for the Center for Strategic International Studies, Anthony Cortison. You can go to the Hoover Institute. You can go to a lot of these different American, I mean, Middle East Policy Network. You can go to all these sites to say this is why it wasn't working. But, John, it's a lot easier to tell you that it's misinformation. And that's it's an easier, easier, yeah. and that's an easier well, thing. Know, I'm kind of going a little bit, um, you know, still still staying with you, is that one of uh, the – one of our uh, – one of the ones that are on live also mentioned how Trump praised Putin and not too recently Trump did praise Hamas, but not in the way you think. And they're taking what Trump said and kind of like turning it around like they always do, because, I mean, in a sense, you kind of have to give them some kind of credit saying that they were proficient in their invasion or their attack. But 
to kind of take his words and mince those to where what Trump did, where he's pro, like they're saying, oh, Trump's pro Palestine or oh, Trump's pro Russia and stuff like that. People need to misunderstand. If, if anybody just reads the art of the deal, what Trump's does, like he's praised Putin, he's praised um, President Xi of China and others, but he does that openly. But what he does behind the scenes is far different. Mm-hmm. Like, again, a prime example is President Xi. He says good things about President Xi openly, but behind the scenes, he was much harsher on China than Joe Biden was. One of the greatest example is President Xi came to Mar-a-Lago and sat right next to Donald Trump. Donald Trump leans over to him and says, Oh, President, she'll just give you a heads up. We just launched cruise missiles and we took out al-Baghdadi. <laughs> so people, but if you take the two presidencies, we were told when Donald Trump came into office, he would start us into a war. There was no new wars in the Middle East or anywhere. Russia didn't move. China didn't move. Iran didn't move. If Joe Biden is the foreign policy president, why are we in the crux of a proxy war in Ukraine, which they requested another so many millions of dollars. We're in a potential war with China over Taiwan. And then now we got a, a regional war almost ready to break out throughout the Middle East. So who is the one that's got peace and who's the one that's getting us into war? And also um, financially, I, I know that you know war costs a lot of money. I don't ever want to hear another BS call about we don't have money for the American people when we're financing all this. Well, that is, yeah, that is. <laughs> like, true. Oh, I'm I mean, tired of they hearing. Could have, they could have fixed oh, a lot of the problems know. that were going on. <laughs> okay, yeah. but the point is on that <laughs> is, and I've mentioned this about I support arming the Ukrainians. It's no just, longer just that. Oh no, but it's just not the way this president's d- done it. Everything should have been done before the war starts. That's where diplomacy, that's where your economic power, that's where all these other elements of U.S. national power come in. But Joe Biden has never explained it. Now, he's supposed to have given a speech today. I haven't had a chance to come home from work to, to review it. But I'm, my guess is he's never explained how does you, arming the Ukrainians affect our national security? How does us doing what we need to do here affect our national security even in this country like hamas i don't agree with everything israel has done before this conflict so i don't agree with building all these settlements in the west bank i don't agree with all that stuff but when hamas went in and killed 1300 israelis out of a citizenry of 8 million and then executed shot up at a, a peace festival 250 people executed infants. They were going house to house. House infants and then decapitating <laughs> those infants. Well, not to mention the countless uh, Americans that have been, uh, their, their lives got, have been taken. And he, he's not lifted a finger. Yeah, and they got he's, gone, he's gone there to go to Israel to be like, hey, we're here for you. You know, sends Blinken in, in his stead. And then when there is... A little pushback of why isn't Joe Biden there? Then he then he shows up. Like this, we're looking. This administration is very very um, reactive and not proactive well, in, in what's going on. But I like, mean, Trump would have been Trump would have been there before you know, right after the first attack. All right, hold on. Ray's got the question. Is bitten at the chops. John A. Our pain in the side. Uh, wars are economically stimulative to America. Well, John, are you pro war? After telling us Sounds Trumpers like that 
wear violin and first J6? Of, That's First crazy. of all, I'm not pro-war. No, I'm no, no, not you, John. This John. John Our John, John. John A. Yeah. Oh, John A. Okay, okay. But even um, but going back to some of this, the questions of stimulation of war, war does nothing to help the economy. World War II was the exception because we were flat broke. I'm not flat broke. Our economy was in the, um, in the dump. And it, it got going. But the, what really stimulated the U.S. economy is after <laughs> the war was over, when we were the only economy that was, that was functioning, that had a viable economic base. So you got to look at that, some of that stuff. What was the stop talking to him? No, no, no. He's just saying if Trump won, we'd be communists. Okay, <laughs> he would make <laughs> that's that's people just trolling. So we got a lot of issues, and but even like the biggest thing that makes the, the president weak on the foreign policy stage that precipitated, as Ray kind of brings up a lot, is Ukraine. Is once we pulled out of Afghanistan, the way we pulled out. We abandoned our Afghan allies, we abandoned our European allies, and we just left. And we left about $7 billion worth of weapons. That showed to the world America's weakness. Now, going back to what you said on Ukraine and other issues, Seth Jones, of a military analyst for the strategic and um, for CSIS, and he had mentioned that he was in Asia last month. And a lot of the Asian countries are worried, especially those around Taiwan, is does America have staying power? So this, because you can use the military all you want, but are you going to stick it out? Like Ronald Reagan, when he put the Marines in Beirut and we, lo- we lost 241 Marines, a couple months later we pulled out. Ben Laden used that. Mm-hmm. Ben Laden used that we, we kill enough Americans. We pulled out of Vietnam. We pulled out of Beirut. Then when we had the Somalia debacle, we pulled out of that. So the image, you kill a few Americans, we leave. And then they saw what happened there. So they don't see us as a – they see us as a weakened superpower. That's dangerous when you got to prove yourself because your actions before said something different. Right. And that goes right now. And I'm not sure Joe Biden and his his foreign policy team are up to the challenge. They're not explaining – any of this stuff. And then you got dysfunction in Congress because half the Democratic Party seems to be in favor of the Palestinians, which I, I support the Palestinian people, not Hamas. So where is this when it kind of lies with like the uh, with the, the, the Democrats? Because we have Joe Biden, which is in support of Israel, but then we have... Um, uh, the congresswoman, what's her name? The congresswoman. Oh yeah, who is pro-Palestine? So, and she's getting rallies and weeping and crying over the hospital that wasn't bombed, that nothing happened to it. Right. So, I mean, where's that? I mean, the- I think most of the Democratic Party does support Israel. It's this progressive wing of the Democratic Party, but that, the loudest voice making it look like the they point. don't. The loudest, but the other part is the Democratic Party is not calling out and say, you were wrong. Within one hour of after that bombing of that hospital, you blamed Israel without any evidence to support that. And now we find out it wasn't Israel, but you haven't rejected that claim. You haven't said, I misspoke, or I didn't have all the information. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous when you start throwing that out because you're giving um, 
you're giving benefits to to Hamas. So, but now the other problem that I think right now Israel is going to have to face is everybody's waiting for this potential ground war. I think the reason they're waiting because they saw what happened to. But the isn't United- that what's going on right now? I yeah, mean, are there? Are getting, there is it just? Is it just strikes and? Or is it just? It strikes now just to prep the battlefield. But I think they're waiting, and I don't have evidence to back this up. I'm just speculating. Listen to some of the generals, who are you know are are. Well, you have what, a, you have some knowledge of it. Yeah, of the but situation. the thing is, when we went into Iraq, and we took out Saddam Hussein, we did not have a plan for what came next. Mm-hmm. And I think Israel doesn't want to go in to Gaza. They can go in right now. I think they're ready to go in. But if they go in and they get they get rid of Hamas, who governs Gaza after they get rid of Hamas? Why don't they just take it back? But they, then you've got... I they, mean, because Gaza was the kind of like a peace offering to kind of quell the, okay, the Palestinian versus the Israel. Well, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying this. Let, tell me if I'm wrong or correct me, but um, from my knowledge, Gaza was just a peace offering to say, hey, we're sorry for, or we know we have intruded on your land. Hey, we're going to give you little provinces here. We're going to give you Gaza. So why don't they just take it back and then they can start from zero again? The problem is when you're governing, let's say, I don't know what the population, I think it's like two a million or so, or three million um, Palestinians. Mm-hmm. You're governing three million people who can't stand you. They had that before, and it would it was a it became too problematic for them. Well, if there's a problem with that, they could just move. But see, but that but the question <laughs> there's nothing there right now anyway. Okay, but the question is that that's okay, Joe. That that's another question. Yeah. Everybody goes why, when they they're telling the Palestinians to leave Gaza and to get out of harm's way. Yeah. The Egyptians don't want them, and the reason the Egyptians don't want them is President Sisi remembers that the Palestinian um, Muslim branch of the Muslim Brotherhood was the one that helped to do the overthrow of Hosni Mubarak in 2011. Mm-hmm. Now Barack Obama, when he was president, he let, allowed and helped usher in the Muslim Brotherhood to replace um, uh, Mubarak, and they went through this fundamentalist approach, and that's when President Sisi did a military coup. So you got other like Jordan. Jordan doesn't want the Palestinians. Okay, but wasn't okay. wasn't Gaza a, a melting pot anyway? Wasn't there Israeli and Palestinians kind no, of like mixing mostly, it up in there? It was mainly all, mostly all Palestinian. Okay, but see now the reason why Jordan doesn't want the Palestinians, they remember when the the PLO back in 1972 they had something called um, I think it was bloody bloody September. They had all these um, hijacked planes. They blew them up. And they went to war with the Palestinians, and they forced the Palestinians out, and they went to Lebanon. And that's when Israel went into Lebanon mm-hmm. twice in 1978 and 1982 to force the Palestinians out, which they did when they went to Tunisia before they eventually made it back to the West Bank. So maybe are the other countries not maybe not taking in, taking them in just for a simple fact that they see two carrier groups hanging off no, in the Mediterranean. They're like, we don't want to piss off America, so you guys are on your own. No, it's not that. It's That's not the case. They're worried about, they don't know who some of these Palestinians are. You see the Hamas intermixed with these um, refugees. Okay. They don't want that problem in their country. Because they're worrying about Iran as well, like Saudi Arabia. The reason they're not taking them, their main oil fields are in 
an area on their eastern province, which is primarily populated by a lot of Shia. Iran's a Shiite country. So a lot of it has to do with historical. They don't want that kind of problem. And before Israel controlled the Gaza Strip in 1967, after the Six-Day War, from 1948 to 1967, Egypt had the Gaza Strip. Jordan controlled the West Bank. They didn't make a Palestinian homeland. I would think it almost comes to a point of you need to you want either one adapt or you need to but die. But so you got to remember I mean, you got to remember a lot of this is historical, a lot of this is religious fever. So you have to factor this in. It's not talking, an easy about, black or about, white situation. You're talking about millennia of like of this going on. This has been coming it's, up since the sun's come yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. an example. <laughs> you know, God like, created. You know, you know, God created the earth, and then you know, Joe, we, they've look, been warring ever since. I know, but you're looking. Look around the world. Go to um, after World War One, Yugoslavia was cobbled together. What happened after Tito, who was a, a ruthless dictator, but he kept the factions from going at it with each other when he died in 1980 then uh, 10 years later they had all the problems with ethnic cleansing so here's one point a friend of my guy i work with his wife is bulgarian Mm -hmm. they hate the turks because the turks under the ottoman were in bulgaria centuries ago and they still remember that. They don't forget those things. So was kind of Israel... So, okay, and this is kind of like my knowledge. And like I said, I'm a crayon eater, so I might not be 100%, 100% correct on it. But, I mean, wasn't Israel kind of given to uh, the Jews for the simple fact of kind of what happened in World War II with like, you know, because they were, se- they were settling within they were the settling European before. country, but then all of a sudden they're like, hey, by the way, we got this here for you again, so you guys can go move it, move it, you can move back into your country, but you're going to have to, you're gonna have to that deal was with these part guys. Of, that was part, there's some truth to that okay. because of what happened, but also crap. the Balfour Agreement of 1917, the British gave... Yeah. Palestine, but the, but the British backed out. But because the British were never going to give either side, they were just yeah. placating everybody. So after World War II was over, when Britain had already controlled Palestine, they were financially broke. They couldn't do it anymore. So they punted it to the UN, and the UN came up with a Jewish state and an Arab state. The Arabs rejected it, went to war with Israel. Israel won, and then in 1967, in the Six Day War, they captured the Golan Heights. The West Bank and the Gaza Strip. See, the problem I'm the having. Sinai. The problem I'm having is it's not like, okay, okay, it's not like you have like a chicken coop and then you have this big fence and this, you know this border and then you have the foxes hanging out on the other side of the fence. No, you're putting the foxes in the actual chicken coop with them at the same time, and you're like, let's see how this goes. I mean, it's that, a very. But see, see, it's in the Middle East. It's. I mean, you were there as well as I was yeah. there. It's very dicey. It's not when the Middle East was cobbled together after the end of the uh, First World War. The only country that was really together was Egypt and um, uh, Iran. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was cobbled together. The British and French just started drawing borders, but they don't look at each other as. I'm a Saudi. I'm a um, I'm a Jordanian. They look at their tribe, their religion, and their family. So they see things differently. On a level, who's bad when it comes to the situation is Israel or is it Palestine? Like it, it's, if, it's if there's not, if there was like 
it's not the um the it's not the Palestinians. It's this fundamental the groups. The groups like Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah cuz they re- look at things in the in the religious context. The court, the the case in point is that people disagree with Israel's doing. Okay, do you support Israel's right to exist? Mm-hmm. A lot of these groups don't. If you look at Hamas's charter, and I read it this week, it says that they want to eliminate Israel. So instead of removing the person, why don't we just remove the disease? Why don't we just keep Palestine? Hey, you guys can chill out here if you want, but guess what? Hamas, Hezbollah, you got to go. I mean, why can't but we just the take them? Why can't is, we take them out? Who's going to force Hamas out? The Arabs aren't going to do it. I think the Israels would be doing a good job. But, okay, right? <laughs> but if Israel forces the Arabs, if Hamas out, then the question becomes who governs Palestine? And you you can't have the Israelis do it. No. But, but the Arabs don't want to do it. You know what? I mean, eventually someone's going to get the lesson that if you're not playing nice, we're going to take you out. So, yeah, but, eventually, but see, so eventually there's got to be some kind of but see, democracy but, there or but diplomacy. See, where but you got to remember. And their belief, if I die for the, the good of Islam, I'm dying for Islam. Yeah. I'm dying. I get to go to whatever heaven or whatever thing they go to. Yeah. It's not black or white. So Israel goes in. They kick out Hamas. Who governs? You don't want Hamas. The Palestinian Authority is not respected. They don't want the Palestinian Authority back into Hamas. And the reason they went to Hamas in the first place is the Palestinian Authority was extremely corrupt. At least Hamas was providing services, but they're very strict on what they you got to adhere to their way of living. Mm-hmm. Now, think of all the money between the United States, the UN, the Arab countries that went to Hamas. Like the rocket that, was, um, that hit that hospital. That was put together in a backyard or a, a garage. But this, instead of spending money on building hospitals, building schools, building water for their people, they just build it to, 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 to get weapons and build things to attack and kill Israel. And they did, to this day, Hamas doesn't recognize Israel's right to exist, and they believe, and we saw that on the 7th when they killed 50, about 13 to 1,400 individuals. Now, look what they did. It's one thing to attack and kill soldiers. We're all so, Marines, soldiers. Yeah. But when you kill 40 infants and then decapitate them, when you burn elderly people alive in their homes, when you shoot up a peace festival and kill 250 people, yeah, that shows the depravity of this group. And it's so sickening to me when you have and- college students in this country and leaders in this country are blaming Israel for everything they deserve. But if the people support what they did, they, okay. Yeah. If the people support what those groups did, they should die too. I mean, when it comes to, when I, when I, I mean, when you want to get down to it and I don't think we're going to be able to kind of come to a certain agreement here, but no, we're not. Israel just needs a clean house. And guess what? If you're Palestine, either get out or you know, and just they just need to take it's back just, over the entire country and stop parceling just, and not stop parceling out land for hey Palestine you can stay here we can't stay here no 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 stop that stop that BS just clean house either you're with us or you're going somewhere but it's, else but what you said a few seconds ago it's a very difficult it's one of the out of all the regions of the world that is the most out of after the end of the second world there's been more wars in that region of the world mm-hmm. that has global implications. 
And if it, maybe if there was no oil there, because oil is fuels the economies of the Western world, if it gets into a regional conflict, you're going to see energy prices skyrocket. And a lot of one of the other problems is President Biden got rid of America's energy independence. Energy floats on the international market, but when we were exporting energy, we had a say in what those prices would be. So if Saudi Arabia and Russia, before this conflict started, cut back production, we said, screw you. We don't need your oil. We got plenty of our own energy. But President Biden and the Democrats have done everything they could to limit America's energy independence. So uh, before we end, I'd just like to preface that if I do have any Palestinian friends out there, and I'm not really sure if I do or not, I don't mean you. I just mean everybody else. Unless yeah. unless you are a, a part of Hamas, then watch I mean, out. if you're part of Hamas, we need to have a serious talk. <laughs> but Yeah, but we're going to be talking about this because even next Wednesday, things are going to evolve. This isn't going to end by next Wednesday. So we'll be talking about this topic. But That's fun. It'll be interesting to it see is. where we're at. It'll be interesting to see where we're at next Wednesday. Especially when we have th- four carrier groups and, and troops so on, and troops hanging out. But the only thing I would uh, say Iraq. to those who are advocating the use of American firepower, be careful what you wish for. Like Winston Churchill once said, when the war starts, you better be have a plan of what's going to transpire. And we've been to conflict, Afghanistan, Iraq, and other places where we got in, and then we're trying to figure out how do we rectify ourselves in this situation how we pull ourselves okay out. one more thing john because i really want to uh plant, punch glenn in the d saying technically we are more energy dependent under the biden administration mm. Mm. <laughs> i don't think you even should answer that so no, we're gonna no. we're gonna sign off uh john how can you go ahead and get a you hold can of get you? a hold of us by going to ubali reports at gmail.com ubali reports at gmail.com or you can check us out on all our social media platforms as Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and definitely TikTok. So keep following us. We're going to keep doing these topics every Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard Time. The goal is to be able to do this every day so we can discuss some of these issues and other issues that impact America. Uh, just everybody know that we are still going to be hanging on TikTok till we get about down to like 12 followers. So uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and throw them up in the chat. Beach Baby, we will talk to you soon. Uh, you can go ahead and um, you can check out Ray, Cody, I, and Sarek. Uh, those are the other two that are not talking. Uh, as we progress in opening up our very own gun range, gun store, gunsmithing uh, with training and classes. So, and we're getting very, very close, looking at towards the end of the month. And then all things going well, we're looking at doing a grand opening in February. But you can also get us at allamericangunslingers.com and our new crucibleArmory.com. And uh, we will be doling out emails here in a little bit. So just keep on uh, looking out for that, and we will fill you in. Uh, until then, if you want to email us anything, just go to allamericangunslingers at gmail.com, and we will talk to you soon. All right, so what are the questions are left on the TikTok thingy? Say goodbye first. Well, I want to say goodbye to everybody until next Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard Time.